0: you've selected a show from the podcast jukebox, a DIY podcast network. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears There was a crash And there are others And there are numbers And it all means something supposedly, but even though there are times we
1: We had to go back.
0: Did we, though? Did we? I
1: think we did. Mm. I think the laws of podcasting say we did.
0: Mm. That's a school of thought, I suppose.
1: Welcome back to No Love Lost, the podcast where we re-examine, relitigate, perhaps? <laughs> the hit. <laughs> yeah. Your, A-
0: Honor, <laughs> Your Honor, I, I would like to submit to the court Exhibit A of why this show is utter garbage. I present to you time-traveling bunnies.
1: We're long ways from those bunnies. Um, I'm Will Link, and with me as always...
0: Megan Salinas, hey.
1: And we're gonna be talking about Season 1, Episode 12, Whatever the Case...
0: Uh, Maybe. uh, uh, you gotta love those puns.
1: Stupidly, it took <laughs> me very long into this episode to realize that <laughs> pun, and as you can see in my notes, I underlined the word case, I'm like, oh yeah, that's why it's called this.
0: I don't know why, upon realizing that, you weren't just infuriated and just stabbed your notepad, because that's what I would have done. I
1: don't mind a good pun. And this is probably not a good pun. There's
0: no such thing as a good pun, Will.
1: (laughs) Um, This episode was written by Jennifer Johnson and the man himself, Damon Lindelof. Really? Yeah. It doesn't feel... like. As the series goes on, I start to associate Lindelof with just the really important episodes. And this, to me, this isn't like a world-changing episode, but this was very early on still. That's, so
0: That's true. Um, I, I guess before we really start digging into things, uh, you know, if this is your first time with the podcast, uh, we spoil everything, so uh, if you hadn't already... Uh, been able to gather from my appeal to the the judge and jury, that, yeah, we're going to be talking about things at any given point in the Lost timeline, so if you haven't seen Lost, I either hope you don't care about spoilers, or you go and not watch it. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
1: Um... Uh, this episode was also directed by Jack Bender, Oh. the great Lost director, great television director in general. But he directed more episodes of Lost than anyone, and of course, he will eventually go on to direct the uh, finale.
0: I was going to say, I wonder if um, we'll start to sort of recognize his style after after yeah, some
1: time. Yeah, I'm am w- wondering too. Well, I, I think it's funny because I think we're still we're in a place where the show itself. Is, has really now found its style and its pacing with the flashbacks and stuff like that.
0: It's settling into a groove.
1: And speaking of that, last week we had the first time there was a second flashback for somebody. It was yeah, Jack. Yeah,
0: not counting the pilot.
1: And this week, it's the second time we have a second flashback for somebody, and it's Kate. Mm-hmm. Um... What struck me about this episode is I had forgotten, and I looked ahead a little bit at the episode synopses, I had forgotten how long Claire is actually missing. She is gone for episodes. Now, this storyline that starts with Where's Claire, this goes on for a long time.
0: Uh, Do you know off the top of your head how long?
1: I think it's about four episodes. I should have wrote it down, but I think it's it's about four more episodes, I think. That's
0: like... A month and a half in, like, syndica- in, like, network television time.
1: Well, considering she disappeared for an entire season, this is nothing. <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> this is just a preview of what's to come.
1: But you know, because you're so caught up, and in I think in a weird way, it's it's well, not in a weird way, but in a smart way, it's it's a good thing that actually they they take a step back from because the Claire storyline in the last two episodes was so intense, and the last episode is so terrifying that you kind of need a breather Mm -hmm. and this episode starts in a very kind of fun light charming way of kate's like she's gathering fruit what kind of fruit i don't really know and they're (laughs) they're gathering fruit and then sawyer comes over she throws it and it hits sawyer and he's like he's like ah she's like well you shouldn't be sneaking up a man then they frolic In the... They frolic in, like... Over by by this
0: water... A waterfall waterfall.
1: in a lagoon. Like, it's very... It starts off on a very playful note, and I think...
0: Before it takes a left turn into... Ah! But even the left...
1: Into stand by me. Yes. But even the left turn isn't as severely left as, as other episodes. Like... I think after the Jack pounding on Charlie's chest, what was it, like, 27 times? It or was seven?
0: 23 times, 23 and th- then he stopped, and then it was nine more times.
1: Okay, 23 <laughs> being one of our numbers.
0: 23.
1: Um, but, anyway... Point is... Uh, it was almost <laughs> weird getting into such a light open.
0: I, there, there... This was this is very endearing again before the before the dead bodies showed up um this was one of those things where again you you look at kate and sawyer and you're reminded that they have good chemistry and there were a couple of moments when they're swimming where um i did kind of much like the the scene you know episodes and episodes ago with uh, charlie and hurley um in the water trying to catch a fish. There were a couple moments during this, like, lagoon montage where I looked at it and I was like, now, is that acting or, or is that just the actors messing around and, like, uh, that was captured on B-roll and they're like, hey, we're, gonna, we're just going to incorporate that into the episode. There were a couple moments that felt really genuine like that. Yeah. yeah.
1: And it's good. It's good when the, the show, which is a very structured puzzle box show, has moments where they could allow characters to kind of be more natural and more of a cinema verite kind of feel. Yeah,
0: And and again, it's showing a little bit of Sawyer's, I guess, softer side. Uh, although it, it seems a little sort of stereotypical, you know, in our the year of our Lord 2018 for him to be like, I'm a man and I'm protecting you. And it's like, you you know she's a dangerous criminal. You're one of the few people that does know that.
1: Um, one little costume thing that I Obviously didn't notice on the and maybe this is something I should have noticed because maybe she wears this a lot. Uh, The bat, the patch she's wearing is a seatbelt. Looks like a plane seatbelt holding it together. I noticed that. I I never know, but when she was walking and she was walking with her back to her, I'm like, oh, there's a seatbelt buckle. Must have got that from. She must have got that from the plane. Yeah, that's
0: so cool. I'm gonna
1: keep an eye out the next time I see her carrying a bag. If it's the same, if it's the same thing.
0: Way to go, Kate.
1: But we're not here to talk about bags. We're here to talk about a case.
0: Oh, by case you mean like when you case a joint, or <laughs> well,
1: a little bit.
0: Uh.
1: God, so, freaking damn it! So what happens? I'm I'm gonna probably mix the flashback up a little bit with because the there's not island really stuff. a
0: lot to the flashback. No, it's very very straightforward, and it takes place in one location. It's a very short period of time. That it, like, I think out of all the flashbacks that we've had, with the exception of the stuff on the plane, this is the this is a fla- This is the only time we flashback to a singular event. The entire episode.
1: You know what you're. You know what? Maybe I will just kill the flashback out of the way here because I think we could.
0: We could bust it out. Let's real bust
1: quick. it out. So Kate is in a bank applying for a loan to do a coffee table book about uh, old theaters. <laughs> she I must
0: s- have so much fun coming up with her backstories.
1: Going with her fake name Maggie. And, um.
0: I have to ask do we think that Kate, like, took several improv workshops before becoming a con artist? Like, she must have learned to say yes and, right?
1: Yeah, I, I guess you have to. I guess, you know. I <laughs> think what?
0: she studied at UCB.
1: So we live here, you and I, in Los Angeles, where everybody we know, is taking a class at UCB or Groundlings or, or something like that. And now I'm wondering how many of these fucking improv kids are really just plotting to be con men and women.
0: Mm. And we're
1: apparently, we're in a golden age of con women.
0: Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> so the next time you're at a comedy club and you're going to see a show, watch your wallets, guys. Well, <laughs> You might just be an easy mark.
1: Now, the whole Kate thing is fun, because actually this is an episode that I honestly thought happened in season two, was my memory, that this storyline happened somehow later. Um, but it didn't. Uh, although I think we... See, now this is the thing where listeners are probably going to hate me, because <laughs> I have made it an active point not to... R- Research ahead because I'm trying to rediscover the series. As it goes, but with that, I will probably say things wrong, and I honestly think that we have an episode in a later season with the guy she's robbing the bank with.
0: Guy whose name I forget.
1: Yeah, well, (laughs) let's
0: call him (laughs) Daryl.
1: But I might be wrong in that. I mean, Uh, but I don't. I don't think so. And it's it's, it, it's possible,
0: though. Like, let's be honest. Kate's pre-island flings are a dime a dozen. Who cares?
1: Well, suddenly, while she's applying to this loan, a very nice bank manager, you know, uh, robbers bust in. Oh, my God.
0: They're very aggressive.
1: <laughs> and, you know, they're holding everybody, like, down on the floor, like they're going to rob this fucking bank. But there's one guy in the credits like, I'm going to be a hero. Uh-huh. And he's I like... I felt
0: so bad for this guy. I felt bad for that like, guy because he
1: got the jump on him. He, and was, if it he
0: was actually doing really well. <laughs>
1: if the gun went to anyone other than Kate, who was clearly in on this. And we know she's clearly in on this from the start because, one, she's we know she's lying to the bank manager. Two, we know she's a criminal.
0: Yeah, also, what are the odds that Kate, known criminal, would just happen to be at a bank that just happens to get robbed when she's trying to scam them out of their money? That's either extremely unlucky for her or she's in on it.
1: So, when the gun gets kicked over to her and she has to really you know maybe she didn't take an improv class or an active class because she has to really badly be befuddled by this gun.
0: <laughs> maybe space work was always where she she sort of lacked in her classes. She's like, oh wait, a real object? No, I, I'm used to pantomiming them.
1: She comes, I don't know how to use this. Guess what? I've never fired a gun before and I'm sure it's more complicated than just pulling the trigger but i anyone anyone could pick that gun up she's so befuddled i eyes.
0: i will say that in a real life or death scenario you might draw a blank you might like feel oh like, just
1: like if you're in like a like if a you're trivia a, competition in front of a group of people you might not know the answer even though you know it every other even day you're you like the every pressure's on the pressure's on exactly <laughs> okay. so I
0: think she was more playing a person who was befuddled in this life or death situation who under normal circumstances could have figured out a gun but not when there are people aiming guns back at her well that's that. her character that she <laughs> that she's very committed to during this heist
1: the head robber though once they get the gun away from her he's like yeah you're coming to back with me we're gonna show people what we do to to to, to,
0: to heroes yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> and they bring her back there and uh, i mac
0: on them apparently
1: <laughs> and then they immediately kiss because they're in on this together they're like bonnie and fucking clyde
0: at least that's the narrative in his mind oh, yeah. like um I don't know looking back on it cuz we know what Kate is actually guilty of. Um, we know thanks to hindsight because like at this point we don't know why she was on the run when she was in Australia. The fact that we see her robbing a bank, we go, "Oh, maybe that's why she was one why she was a wanted criminal. She was a bank robber." So given at this point in time, we as the audience don't know what her actual yeah. crimes are. But, with the the knowledge of hindsight, we know that she had to turn to a life of crime after removing a very toxic element in her own life. Um, she had to, to resort to crime out of necessity.
1: Which we will get to eventually in an episode that I believe is called What Kate Did.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's interesting that they, they presented us with this misdirect and again with I feel like this worked a lot better the first time I saw it because I'm like, Oh, you know, maybe she's a bank robber. That's what she did. That's why the marshal was after
1: Yeah, this is I mean, look, and I mean you shouldn't necessarily you know, not every twist is gonna hold up yeah. on repeat viewing. And yeah, at the time I probably was like, Oh, she's a bank robber
0: Paint a picture, paint a picture.
1: Uh they gotta sell that this guy did something to her so he he, he, he hits her bruises yeah. her face. They come back out, everyone's like, uh uh-huh, oh no. the bank manager who, you know, rightfully decides to give these people
0: what they want what they want. Because which, they're threatening to kill Kate.
1: Yeah. And you can't have you can't have people dying the bank's insured. <laughs> so let's Let's go. Let's go. Into, but they go back. I,
0: I would hope it's a little bit more <laughs> of like a noble, a noble thing as opposed to insurance. <laughs>
1: well, a bank a ba- a ba- gets robbed. The bank manager should immediately just give them everything they want.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like there shouldn't be, be a,
1: there shouldn't be any uh, nobody. You,
0: you, nobody should get hurt.
1: Yes, and we get to the back, They bring Kate in the back, and it's not the safe they want. It's specifically for Kate. Safety deposit box eight fifteen. The same number as the flight that crashed.
0: Flight eight one five.
1: So anyway, uh, they go in the back, and it's does almost, that
0: amount to anything? No, the numbers are stupid.
1: <laughs> no, no, no. It's because it's all connected. All these things—they've been touched by Jacob, and these things <sighs> have all been—they've all been building to all this. That's what it is. You're looking at me the, like... The I'm,
0: numbers were touched by Jacob?
1: No, no, no. The, 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 these themes throughout their lives. 815 was always going to be a big thing in these people's lives. It was their destiny. It was this thing bringing them towards the island. you
0: say Jacob's an ass?
1: <laughs> Jacob is a bit of an ass, and we'll get to that when...
0: <laughs> Jacob's an idiot.
1: We'll get to that in about season five when we start dealing with I Jacob. I
0: work in mysterious ways!
1: Um... But, I mean, you're looking at me like we're crazy, but that's what it is.
0: Which is why I hate this show so much.
1: So, (laughs) almost immediately, the gig is up. Kate's with them.
0: Well, what's interesting here is, I don't know. I think think this is the first time... Not the first time. This is the first time I'm starting to recognize that when it comes to side characters, particularly side flashback characters, and we saw this a little bit with Randy, too, out of nowhere this guy decides, I'm just gonna be evil for the sake of being evil. Like, I I feel like it becomes a common trope in Lost to just have a character, a side character, you know, uh, (laughs) just really revel in the fact that they're about to be a dick. And like I feel like this is this is something like
1: well I but I mean I get why a criminal would like we can we got to kill this bank manager. <laughs> he
0: didn't have to though. He was like he just started blabbing because he's like he just decided I'm going to kill this guy and it's going to be hilarious even though my girlfriend/partner explicitly said she didn't want anybody to get hurt. I'm just going to ruin my chances with her and murder this man.
1: Well, Kate ends up outing herself as one of the criminals when she says she's got the other key to the safety deposit box. Yeah,
0: but that's after this this guy starts talking.
1: Was that after the guy? Yeah,
0: yeah, it was. She had to grab a gun and start shooting everybody. Well, she does that eventually. No, she does it before she pulls out the other key.
1: Oh wait a second! So I'm misremembering. So she asked for the safety deposit box after they were gonna take down the bank manager.
0: Yeah, they're they're looking for a, you know, they're. Oh, you're a, right.
1: Because the first thing she's like, "Nobody gets hurt," kind of thing. That's yeah, what. That's she when she grabs herself. the
0: gun and she's like, "I said nobody gets hurt," and, and that's when she shoots them and pulls out the key for the safety deposit that's box.
1: It, it's after she hurts them.
0: Yeah, she doesn't kill them. She shoots yeah. them.
1: She shoots them like in the leg. You know <laughs> and um, okay, yes, and then. You get safety deposit box eight fifteen, and they open it up, and there's an envelope, and what's in the envelope? We'll get to that.
0: Put a pen in it.
1: Cause now we're gonna go back to the island.
0: Okay, can I? I just want to talk a little bit more about what an, what an idiot, like what an idiot bad guy this guy is. He and Randy, and I, I kind of want to start keeping a tally of. People who make these nonsensical heel-face turns or or just make these sharp straight left turns into straight-up assholery. This motherfucker's
1: all popped up on uh, testosterone and sex.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying that it like it seemed like a very familiar character trait, and I feel like it's going to be one we see again and again. I don't and think again. it's a
1: familiar... I don't think the thing that is that it's a familiar... Character trait with Lost. I think it's a familiar character trait, period, that we that's probably get in a ton of television with minor characters you, who we'd never really see again, or maybe we'll see them in one more episode. You, I can't remember. You
0: know what my favorite show was whenever there was a murderer and then they would just start scenery chewing, expositing all of their crimes? Did you ever watch Beyond Belief Factor Fiction?
1: Oh, yeah, I yeah, know. They what had thought, like. Uh,
0: five minutes to tell this story and so if there was a criminal by like minute four and a half they'd just have to completely come clean even if it made no sense within the framework of the narrative they would just start spilling all of their crimes out for the world to hear and so I maybe maybe it's just because I loved that stupid show so much that anytime I see in television a character just expositing their crimes for no reason I'm like this is breaking the logic of the world
1: <laughs> so for you, this bank robbery was beyond belief.
0: Yes, it was. Well, let me tell you what. You're not Ghostface, random asshole robber. You can't just start scenery chewing.
1: So there's something about this robbery that's beyond belief to me that we're going to get to in a minute. Okay. But first, we're back on the island. Kate and back Sawyer. On the they're in the lagoon frolicking when. As you said, stand by me moment. They always want to see a dead body. <laughs>
0: Up until they see a dead body.
1: <laughs> yeah, they see, uh, they see these passengers that are in the pond. But Kate sees something. She sees Kate's while Sawyer's going for the wallet. She sees a briefcase. And they get out. And she says, that case is mine. Now, admittedly, when she delivered that line, I wasn't sure if she meant... That case is mine. It's like my case. dibs. Or, or dibs. Yeah. yeah, or dibs. Like, that case is mine. And they go back, and they get the case. And then suddenly she's being all, Sawyer's like, what's in the case? Like, what's in the case, Freckles, or whatever? And he's being all, he wants to know. And then she's like, it's not important. I don't even need that case. <laughs> and Sawyer's like, then I'm just going to keep that case.
0: And, and she's like, do what you want. Yeah. That's fine.
1: And at this point, it's part of their weird...
0: Tete-a-tetes that they have.
1: Yes. Uh, and, you know, People Sawyer knows... better
0: for each other
1: <laughs> Sawyer, than
0: anybody gives them credit for.
1: Kate is... It becomes clear, because she's eyeballing the case, that it is her case. She knows this case. But Sawyer has it. He sees her eye in it. She's trying to take it. But Sawyer won't give it up he wants answers. He just wants to know what's in the case.
0: He wants to know what's in the box!
1: <laughs> now...
0: It's a very Pulp Fiction... I'm actually surprised that this episode wasn't a little bit more of like a nod to Pulp Fiction because we never, you know, in, in that movie, you never really find out what's in the case. Yeah. So, like, it's it's kind of funny that nobody made it like a... Given how, how this show likes making nods to, like, Star Trek and other TV shows and... Things like that. I was kind of expecting a pulp, uh, a pulp Fiction reference, and it never came.
1: No, yeah, you'd think. That's Some Marcellus Wallace action going on. <laughs> but, so what ends like up... Like
0: there's just a scene where, where Sawyer and Kate start dancing.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> and then she ODs.
0: Oh, no! Uh,
1: Charlie ODs. No! <laughs> so then... Okay, so here's something, though, about this. So this is just the typical Kate Sawyer stuff. And it's still, at this point, playful enough. Yeah. And then there's kind of a... It hasn't
0: escalated yet.
1: (laughs) It hasn't escalated. So...
0: It almost becomes like sort of a cat and mouse game. Well, there's... Almost like they're, like, spy versus spy sort of pranking each
1: other. (laughs) (laughs) And there's there's a scene where she's even, like... She's on top of Sawyer trying to get that case. She's, like physically on top of him and she's like get off me he's like you're on top <laughs> and it's true and it's she's like fighting him for this case which is of only piquing his interest more so he's then trying to pick the lock on the case so I could pick any lock he's a criminal but not a Halliburton. Now, okay, this is an issue I have, and I want to ask you. I do.
0: I do love that. Like Hurley just gives this ha, because he it's knows like, high quality locks when uh, he A this. Halliburton.
1: <laughs> Mike's like, you can't pick a lock on a Halliburton.
0: And Hurley's like, I buy all of those. No, <laughs> so,
1: I am not a luggage expert. <laughs> I mean, is this is a Halliburton a brand? Is it a thing? All
0: I know when it comes to luggage is Samsonite. I was way off. That's the only thing I know about luggage.
1: I, yeah, I don't know. I know that an idiot's combination on their luggage would
0: be one, <laughs> one two, three, three, four, five.
1: five. Yeah. That's, that's the a, same
0: combination on my luggage.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's, that's all I, I yeah. So I couldn't. So what
0: we're saying is that we don't have any. We're not grown up enough to actually own briefcases. So we have to infer what briefcases are all about from television shows.
1: I want to know. I want to know. Is Halliburton a real thing? And am I the only one who doesn't know? It's impossible to break in because everyone on the island knows you can't break into a Halliburton. But Michael knows one thing: the only way to get into a Halliburton. Is with force you gotta <laughs> crack that Halliburton open <laughs> this is weird to me yeah. I know that this is the thing on this show with fucking there'll be this smoke monsters and, and ghosts. ghosts and I'm hung up on why does everybody know what this is? <laughs> is this common knowledge
0: <laughs> well it's one of those things where it makes you go Im- Am I adulting wrong? Did, did, like Is this a thing that everybody knows that, that was somehow... I, I was skipped over when everybody was getting briefed on it?
1: So this leads into another fun little montage this of Sawyer is, trying to break it open using force. This is my force.
0: favorite part of the episode.
1: Including it's when just Sawyer... It's so
0: joyfully juvenile. Yeah,
1: he's trying to smash the thing open. He goes up to the top of a tree <laughs> and he throws it down. He throws it down with all his might, and then Kate scampers out of the woods.
0: (laughs) And just that look that she gives him, and just like as she like scurries away, it's it's the best. It's so funny. Which is
1: also why the stakes of what are actually in this briefcase to me are so low, though. Also (laughs) because they're scampering, but they're like running around. And then they're in the tall grass and they're fighting again. And Sawyer gets the briefcase again. <laughs> again,
0: because there, it's there's nothing malicious about them fighting over the briefcase. It's it seems very petty and, like I said, juvenile. Like, yeah, it it doesn't feel like what is in this briefcase is actually important.
1: So then, Kate goes to uh, goes to Jack. And it's like, Jack, you gotta, I gotta get this case back. The U.S. Marshal had guns in it. Like, we could use those guns, but Sawyer's gun. She's doing this whole dog and pony show. And Jack is basically like, well, where's the key? She goes, well, it's in the it's, uh, it's the U.S. Marshal that you buried.
0: Well, he was asking where the key was. Oh, he asked
1: where the key was. And she's like, well, it's uh, it's, in the, it's in the U.S. Marshal. You buried him. Where'd you bury him? We gotta dig him up. And Jack... Because Jack is no fun. You know, you go to exhume a dead body with Sawyer, you're probably going to have a good time. Oh,
0: he's going to be the one singing Stand By Me as he's shoveling the
1: ground. Jack is no fun. No fun, Jack. But here's another thing that started to bug me about this episode. Jack is then, I'm going to be there when you open that case, because I want to know what's in this case.
0: Why? It's none of your business. This is what's
1: driving me crazy. Both Sawyer and Jack. What is their damage? Why are they up Kate's butt about <laughs> this stupid case? Just give the lady her case. I don't understand. They're all, being-
0: yeah, all she has to do is say, you know, what's in the case is mine. And if it's something of monetary value, a lot of good that's going to do her here on this island. Like, clearly it's something important to her. And she's not the type of person to, like, have poison packed or to have Like, yeah, knives and weapons that she's just going to hoard to herself. She's done nothing. Like, true, she's a criminal. But, like, Jack forfeited his right to know what she did, like, a couple episodes ago. And, and, like, and now he's all, like, resentful and feels entitled to, like, oh, well, if you're asking me for a favor, then I need to see what's in this briefcase.
1: Jack being a killjoy pain in the ass entitled piece of crap. Oh, you you surprised? You know
0: what this is. You know what this is? There was a person in the camp who had secrets, and that person kidnapped Claire and hey. Charlie. And so now Jack just can't let anybody have any fucking privacy.
1: Uh yeah, he's much like Boone was afraid of, he's the patriot act yeah. of this of the island now. Like He's the George W. Bush.
0: I don't I don't know if it's a straight up like sort of safety protocol for, for the island, or I think, I, I honestly think it's just Jack projecting. He failed to save Claire, and so now he's just kind of lashing out at Kate when she's asking him for a favor. So, Why do they get together?
1: Oh, sorry. So <laughs> it's they, just
0: clear from this episode that she and Sawyer are the much better pair.
1: Sawyer didn't get off the island with her. Oh, whatever. If Sawyer had, they might have been together.
0: What? Stupid. Stupid. Hmm. That's a that's a discussion for a different day.
1: So anyway, <laughs> what ends up happening is they, uh, you know, she's like, Jackie, you gotta help me with this with this thing. You gotta help me get the case. And they go and they dig up the marshal. And they go and they get, she opens up the wallet and opens it up. And what's in it? Maggots. Ew. Maggots are in it. She drops the wallet. And she's like, I didn't... And Jack picks it up, and he's like, there's no key. And she's like, ah, shucks. And he goes... <laughs> but Jack is smart, because Jack's now... He's
0: getting wise to her antics.
1: But that's some pretty good sleight of hand, Kate. Yep, she... I had forgotten she had done this, too. And she had sleight of hand, took the key out of the wall, and dropped it to distract him uh, while full of maggots.
0: Oh, man, I would... I would kill just to see, like, a series of, like, Kate the Grifter. Like, I <laughs> like a, a, a mini-sode of just Kate being, being, again, doing spot... You know what I would love to see? The AU spin-off where she and Sawyer were con artists together. That would be yeah. hysterical. You
1: should write that fan fiction.
0: <laughs> if that fan fiction exists out there, guys, send it my way.
1: So... You know, then Jack goes to get the case. And him and Sawyer have their usual big dick contest. Ugh. Which... That did, is just, that it's so
0: w- stupid! Which like... didn't
1: bother me the first time I saw the show. And I don't know whether it's because I have these preconceived... No- like, I have issues with Jack now... I like Sawyer more than I'm supposed to at this point in the show now because I know what happens with them down the line.
0: Well, and but, then both, but, in, this, in the context of this episode, feeling like they're entitled to Kate and her property. Like, it's kind of shitty.
1: I mean, look, I do get to a point, like, let's well, say let's say it is guns. I think that's something the people on the island, because it's a safety issue, have a right to know.
0: Well, and, However, and to Jack's credit, Kate did give him this pitch of like there are guns, and so he's like, there aren't really guns in there. Okay, let me see what what's actually in there. What is so important that you're bothering me right now?
1: So they go to they open they go they finally open the case, and there's a gun.
0: There is a gun,
1: and there's money.
0: hmm
1: Lots of money. By the way, Halliburton. Keeps things dry too. <laughs> I'd like to say. Is it
0: airtight?
1: Case. Must be, airtight case. And then there's the envelope, same envelope, from safe deposit box. Mm-hmm. Eight fifteen. Mm-hmm. She opens it up. She pulls out tiny toy airplane. And she looks at it, and she's clearly like affected. By this and Jack's like, what is it? And she goes, It belonged to the man I loved. And then she killed.
0: Okay, I this I
1: got a big problem with.
0: This. I don't fucking remember what the significance of the the little toy plane was. I
1: don't know <laughs> if this how much this comes back into play in the series. I don't remember Does it? And this is gonna be something that I because I feel like Eight years ago when the series was ending, I remember thinking like, that plane didn't mean anything. I remembered her, because I remember it being so like, this has to mean, there has to be more than it just like, being a plane. There has
0: to be like a, a flashback sequence where her dad gives her a little toy plane or something.
1: I don't remember how the plane comes into play. I am certain it must, but it has no real deep meaning. Like, this is...
0: I I literally did not remember that it was in the safety deposit box. I
1: remembered that it was a plane in that briefcase.
0: I I did not remember it was in the safety deposit box, and I don't remember it ever coming back and meaning anything.
1: I Damon Lindelof...
0: Sometimes a toy plane is just a toy plane.
1: I'm going to say this. Damon Lindelof, between Lost... And and The Leftovers and some of the films he's written is one of my favorite, absolute favorite writers. Also, a very controversial pick is a very favorite writer because he's very polarizing. However, I think this is a case of him, like, dropping some shit in there and it never really paid off. Uh, but let's put a pin in this because maybe, wow. you know...
0: Do you have a problem with a plot point being introduced and then not amounting to anything?
1: Well, look, every series that goes Welcome long enough... to
0: my world. Yeah,
1: but the thing is, I consider this a minor pr- problem, where you consider that a major problem. And I also would argue...
0: Collectively, it's a major problem. But, yes. Yes. <laughs> and um, this, as a one-off, yes, this is fairly insignificant.
1: I mean, that plane... That's flight one eighteen. That little plane. Eight
0: eight one five. You mean?
1: Yeah, eight eight fifteen. What's yeah. the difference between oh, what you're saying and what I'm I, saying? I thought
0: you said eight eighteen. And oh, I, I was I like, 15. what? Yeah.
1: I mean, right. <laughs> At that's least what get it, the
0: numbers right, Will. <laughs> that's what it
1: represented. By the way, I better write down all the numbers just to have them, so I never say them uh, wrong my
0: first tweet from the no love lost uh, With the numbers, uh, it was like yeah uh, it was the numbers <laughs> so let me see if i can pull them up right now doo, 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 doo. we've got very little cell phone reception at the moment
1: um so yeah i mean i think i remember all of them they were three
0: can you four, remember them in order three
1: four eight 15, oh oh my god, 15, 23,
0: 23,
1: yeah, uh, oh my god, I was like a super fan of the show and I'm blanking on the numbers,
0: 24601, no, those are different numbers,
1: okay, do you have
0: them? No, it's still loading. I'll, I'll let you know when they pop up. Okay. But, yeah, we can continue on the discussion for right well, now. Well, I mean, that's
1: it for the Kate storyline.
0: <sighs> well, just, I will say that, like, like, for, for the this, at least her performance was really good. Like, um, when, when Kate has this breakdown, I mean, one of the things we were talking about, um, you know, last week, in terms of how great <clears throat> Jack's flashback episode was, you know, like, we we had some issues with the episode as a whole, but all of the different components, particularly Matthew Fox's acting, was so on point and so yeah. effective. I don't feel like Evangeline Lilly is given that same opportunity to shine, um, because the dramatic circumstances are, are very different. In- um, but I will say that, like, this scene where she breaks down, I don't feel like she's acting. Like, I don't feel like she's acting. I feel like this is a very genuine, like, <laughs> She's, ha- she's not just acting for Jack's sake so that he'll get off her case. Like, it feels like she really feels a lot of remorse for what's happened.
1: 42 is one of them. I, mean.
0: <laughs> I have the numbers here, if you will. Um There are a lot of them. <laughs> God dang this show. <laughs> uh, do you want me to read them off?
1: No, no, it's... it's uh... 4, 8, 15, 16, 23,
0: 42... Yeah, it's yeah. Okay. repeated. Yeah.
1: I screwed up. I screwed up. I started started with three. Um, <laughs> I am...
0: I mean, there is a two, three in there.
1: Okay. Anyway, um, you know what? One thing on this rewatch I am appreciating more than I did initially is um, Evangeline Lilly's acting. Absolutely. Because I feel like... One, I, I do think sometimes she wasn't as well served as some other characters... Uh, from, yes but
0: the the story did her a great injustice
1: in retrospect watching it I, I think maybe my first time through I was holding her a little more accountable for some of that not that I ever thought she was bad but I think I'm just appreciating and I'm looking at her performance differently yeah
0: Um, like, when you're watching it the first time through, it's very easy to get caught up in the frustration of the love triangle and how stupid it is. But she, in no way, is to blame for that. That's writers not knowing what to do with her. Um,
1: But... Oh, do you have something? Oh,
0: no, no. Um, fin- Go ahead and finish your point. I just, I, was gonna, I had I a was, question. I
1: was going to transition to the other plot lines, because we still have a lot of other people on the subject. Just, science.
0: while I'm looking at the numbers, real quick, is there a significance to any time we reach an episode that hits one of the numbers? Like, is episode 4 significant in any way? Episode 8? Episode 15? Episode 16? Episode 23 and episode 42. Episode 4 Were those is... those important milestones. Well,
1: episode 4 way. is walkabout.
0: So, yeah, I but would say that But here's what I sure. would be...
1: In th- oh, yeah, this is what we should do. <laughs> we gotta go gonna back. Gonna go
0: digging. <laughs> we we gonna gotta go, go back again? Oh, I, uh, no!
1: <laughs> uh, because, you know, the numbers represent individuals. Ah. And I wonder if those numbers represent people whose episodes those were. My gut is no. But I'm going to go look back. Maybe
0: for season one, like, they sort of adhered to that, but I I have no idea. That would be be an interesting thing to sort of dig into.
1: Um, There are other people on this island, and we go back to the beach. Remember, we are living now in a post- Claire kidnapping world.
0: Yeah, that's gonna be
1: weird. And everybody is a little bit more on edge. People don't want to live in the caves now. People were kidnapped there. People who don't know what to do. And, and the
0: tide is coming in. The tide. They have to move. The people on the beach have to move, whether they like it or not.
1: Shifting drastically. The 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 beach is eroding. Uh, why is this happening so drastically? Well, probably so they could get rid of that giant set of the the the. Um, <laughs> uh, of the airplane that I, crashed.
0: I was going to assume because it was all a part of Jacob's grand design.
1: I think it's just fucking a fucking tool. I think it's just a convenient way to get rid of the fuselage. <laughs> but, I
0: think you're I think you're hitting the the nail on the head. So
1: they move up the coast and uh you know, Jack wants to meet the French Because jack 'cause Jack's gotta be involved in everything. He can't let's say you just have his little French woman silent but
0: Every time somebody wants to go on a side quest, Jack has to stick his nose in it. <laughs> but
1: Saeed wants to translate the French woman's notes and the maps and their like, diagrams and things. He wants that translated. So, who is the one person who kind of maybe speaks French? Shannon. Um, so, let's get to Shannon and Boone
0: had forgotten that this is how Shannon and Saeed sort of well, became, like, sort well, of how they uh, started their, their relationship. Okay,
1: if we, I, I was going to save that, but, I mean... Uh,
0: no, 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 you can touch on Boone first, because, Yeah, because like,
1: I want to say how kind of Shannon got to that, but yeah. then I want to table that for a second, because I really want to get into that. Yeah, for sure. Um. So, Boone's been going out with Locke, they're off, we know Boone and Locke are dicking around in the the jungle he brings lock and axe they're digging up the hatch they're trying to figure out how to get into the hatch oh my but gosh. shannon shannon gives boone some shit about how he keeps going out into the jungle and boone basically is like you're useless and in fairness She's been kind of... She, she's not a useless person, but she is not she's being not useful. She's not proactive. She's not proactive. She's not doing anything. Like, uh,
0: when, when Saeed approaches her, she's sunbathing.
1: She suns herself all day. And Saeed comes to her and says, I need you to translate this thing. And she, of course, is like, I'm not really good at French. Blah, 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 blah. And he's like, I need you to tell.
0: You're the only person even remotely qualified.
1: So this cuts to a scene of them going over the maps and her translating. There's math. She's like, "You didn't say math of being involved," which is where I would be out, also. Um, but Said's gonna take care of that. She says, "Translate," and she's very like, "I can't do this." And he's like, "I believe in you." And to the point, I think you were about to get into. uh this scene was a lot flirtier than I remembered, <laughs> ever. And it started to make me rethink my thoughts about Saeed and Shannon as a couple down the line.
0: I, I completely forgot how... like how, like how I, I know that they become a couple later on, but I had completely forgotten about this interaction up until I started seeing it unfold. And I was like, oh yeah, I guess he did need help trying to make sense of the French woman's um, ramblings. Um, and everything like that, uh, what, it's, it's really interesting looking at this with the hindsight of knowing they'll eventually get together, and how Boone looks at it, too. He doesn't look like a, like, he doesn't look at this as a brother who's worried about his sister, he's looking at it as, this is a a new guy moving in on the lady that I fucked one time, like... Yeah, it's it's really gross. Like knowing that Shannon and and Boone hooked up, like it completely colors all of their interactions together in a very kind of gross light. And I know that I know that they're step siblings. I know that they're not related by blood, but it just makes all of his interactions with her up to this point. And I know that she was a bad person to him. But it makes all of his interactions with her up until this point really spiteful.
1: I am dying.
0: It lowers him as a person.
1: I am dying because I forget because there's a, well, there's a reason we forget a lot about Boone and Shannon because they don't make it to the end game of this they show. Don't, I they mean, don't matter. <laughs> I mean, they're in the final episode, but they don't they don't they, you know they uh, so
0: they both uh, die like idiots.
1: I f- for. Get a lot about their backstories, and I cannot wait to get to the Boone Shannon backstory episode. i I've, well, I have forgotten a lot of details about it.
0: I I kinda of, again, I, I like these moments where it indicates that Shannon is undergoing a character arc where she's becoming more proactive, um, she becomes more you know, she's she's stuck up, but she's not sure of herself in any way, shape, or form. When Boone calls her useless, she takes that to heart, and it genuinely hurts her, and she genuinely if, internalizes if it. If he
1: doesn't call her useless, she might not end up helping to begin with.
0: Mm, I wouldn't say him calling her useless is a good thing. No. I, no, no. But, like, but, I mean, when... Uh, because it, it comes from such a mean-spirited but, place. But, I mean,
1: also, it's...
0: It comes from a mean spirited place it where It comes he... from a mean
1: spirited place. But Shannon is somebody who needs a fire lit under her ass.
0: Yeah, but here's the thing. Him calling her useless isn't what lights the fire. It's Saeed going, You're the only person who can help me. That's what lights a fire under okay, her butt but look... initially and it's it's Saeed giving her crap that eventually gives her the motivation to finally connect the dots and go, Oh, this is a song.
1: So let's get to that. Because Saeed's like, I believe in you. Then they keep going over stuff. She's like, This is just nonsense. It's just she's all like nonsense well, words.
0: She she's having difficulty because it doesn't make sense with her limited vocabulary. And he's the one who after begging her to help it gets all frustrated and is like, well, "You're a... giving me nonsense," and she's like, "What do you want from me?" And I have to side with Shannon on this one. What do you well, want from her, Saeed? Well, she's that... trying her best. Well, Fuck you. Well,
1: that's what's so funny about the scene. It's we see them in a scene. It's like, "I believe in you," and then the next and then, like, time scene, we see he's them, like, "Oh he's my, like, my god!" This is a bunch of nonsense. You're a nonsense, bird. <laughs>
0: And you're a nonsense partner. You're not being helpful in any way, shape, or form.
1: I believe in you. I don't believe
0: in you. I believe in you. This was a mistake. Those were his exact words. And I love you, Saeed. I still think you should, you and Kate, should be the leaders of this island. I still firmly believe that. But man, if this wasn't a whole load of manufactured nonsense. Look,
1: I guess under the circumstances these people are in, People are going to get frustrated. People are going to take things out on people. I'm sure... We know
0: they have a little history at the airport together, too.
1: I think, you know, if you and I were on an island like this, we would fight with each other as if we were hosting a podcast on (laughs) Lost. Uh, But (laughs) I did remember the last scene. Mm -hmm. I did remember the conclusion to this. I, I... I can't say I remembered it as it was happening, but I remember her singing Beyond the Sea in in French.
0: What a, what a nice nod to like Finding Nemo, too. Yeah, Disney property. Like, oh,
1: she's like, oh, it was that animated fish movie.
0: <laughs> There's somewhere beyond the sea. Which is a great song. It really is. And little Bobby Darin. Her, hearing her sing it in French is very sweet. I, um, I, I had forgotten about this scene, too, up until it was right about to happen, and I was like, it's a song, I remember now.
1: I love when there are songs used in things that are English-language songs that I'm very familiar with, then sung in another language. I, for whatever reason, I will always... But just like high school Will would always... Be a fan of the punk cover of a song they were already familiar with. Older will it's is like, a fan. It's like I love
0: the foreign cover of this the
1: English song. The foreign cover of uh, usually it seems like that song ends up being painted black. I have in two separate shows, seen a Spanish language, a a uh, and a Italian language, and I think maybe even a Japanese language painted black cover the, um, uh, the,
0: this might sound like sacrilege to some people but the first time i heard fly me to the moon it was in the end credits of evangelion like i didn't realize it was a famous frank sinatra song for a long time i'm like oh isn't this a lovely song from that obscure anime that i like I, <laughs> and i'm an idiot
1: i love um in mulholland drive when they sing uh, Roy Orbison's crying in Spanish. I love this stuff. So Shannon singing, uh, putting the dots together, and it's beyond the sea. But guess what? I'd like to point out, I mean, it's a beautiful moment to end the episode on. I'd like to point out, it doesn't really help Saeed.
0: <laughs> well, she, I mean, she makes a great point a little earlier, you know, when he's getting frustrated at her and she's like, hey, did you ever think that, you know, after 16 years on this island... By herself, your friend might not have been all there. Like, it's not just me. She's
1: just doodling lyrics that kind of fit her situation.
0: Like, I don't know about you, but even when I'm at work, occasionally I'll just doodle a little smiley face or whatever. Like, if I've got lots of time um, on an island by myself, I'm sure high school Megan will come back out and we'll just start writing song lyrics all over everything.
1: Yeah, I'll, (laughs) I'll write the lyrics to Beyond the Sea and I'll probably mess them up. (laughs) Um,
0: So, yeah, this this whole thing, I feel like the, the dramatic side of it was a little bit manufactured, but ultimately it leads to a very sweet moment between the two of them, and for a moment I'm like, okay, your relationship is believable and again.
1: And it's, it's also a moment where we start to get that sh- there, there's more to Shannon because even just the act of like kind of beautifully just singing the song and taking to heart and, and stuff like that, it's a, such a nice moment for it. I would argue it's the best moment she's had yeah, on the it's, show so it's far. It's the
0: moment that both we and Saeed realize there's more to this girl than what we're seeing on the surface.
1: Um, one more... It's just a shame
0: it doesn't go anywhere, because she dies.
1: It goes all the way, for lack of a better word, to heaven.
0: She gets fridged, so Saeed can be mad. It's dumb. Anywho, this was a beautiful moment. That's that's an issue for another day.
1: Um... Rose, (laughs) Rose is trying to help Charlie. And it's interesting because Charlie's doing the thing that Rose did early on in the season. It's a nice little, little you know, bookend to that. Where, where Rose went off and sat by herself and was mourning, like... Not mourning, because you believe Bernard was on, but, like, kind of, like...
0: Processing. Processing
1: yeah. everything. Charlie's doing the same. And Rose basically uh, uh, comes up to him and it's like, hey, everyone's helping but you.
0: Okay, I feel like on paper, Rose being one, the one to to get Charlie a little, at least take help Charlie take the first step out of this slump, that he's this post traumatic slump that he's in. Because let's be honest,
1: he did die.
0: He he definitely died. Um, the on paper, I think this makes a lot of sense because Rose is a person who very much relies on her faith. And I would say faith, not in like the Locke sort of way of like, I believe in island magic and I submit to the universe. Um, this is this is a little bit more in like a traditional religious context of like she's like, yeah. um, she's a little bit more of a religious character or a character with religious faith. And we know that Charlie, however estranged from his upbringing he might be, he grew up Catholic. So on paper... It makes sense that these two people would connect. However, I feel like in practice, she's kind of out of nowhere mean to him. Like,
1: I But I, he I, needs I, a fire lit under his ass. He can't just I, sit there like that.
0: I get it, but like at the same time, I'm like, I'm not an expert on how to help people with post traumatic stress. Uh, in the wake of being potentially tortured and, you but, know, being but
1: murdered. It's, it's, uh, but isn't it less the post-traumatic stress and more that he has tremendous guilt?
0: Yes. So, <laughs> I, think, I think it's both those things. He feels guilty that he wasn't and, able to help Claire. And, but he also, like, you can still see the marks on his he neck. But
1: he needs to let these feelings out. Because the problem is he's not letting anything out. Ow. It's not your fault. It's not your fault.
0: In my in my opinion, the way this sort of subplot was handled is very dismissive of post-traumatic stress. It's very dismissive because ultimately it's just Rose going, you need to get over it. And that's about it (laughs) I don't
1: think I don't think see the thing is maybe it's being dismissive of post traumatic stress, but I don't think anyone is thinking about post-traumatic stress. I think they're thinking about guilt. I think the scene is about yeah, guilt and how he needs to let out. He's bottled and, all this anger and, and sadness inside. He has to let it out in some well, fashion.
0: And and ultimately, they, they come together in prayer, and that's that's sort of how he finds an outlet in his moment of need, I suppose you could say. I Again, I'm still like, that's... And, and again, this is this is uh, like I think as a kid, like in, in high school, I feel like this made a lot more sense to me. Um, now that I'm an adult and a lot more agnostic and a little bit more aware of mental illness, I'm like, no, that's no bad, <laughs> bad Rose. You're doing you're doing a bad job. I you disagree. have you have Jack's bedside
1: manner. <laughs> I would have probably done the same thing Rose did.
0: Well, uh, remind me that if I'm ever going through post-traumatic stress, you're not the, going to be the first person I call.
1: I'm going to help you. Well, you're, you're dealing with guilt, Megan. And I'm <laughs> going to let you know that it's not your I, fault.
0: I guess... It's not if, your fault, Megan. Oh.
1: It's not your fault.
0: You mean that? You it's mean not it? your fault. Aw, oh, thanks, Will. And now I'm over my traumatic experience. Thanks, Will.
1: Uh, Rose <laughs> does mention her husband still being alive.
0: Oh, Bernard. And, uh... It is nice to see Rose. Again, I, I just, I wish I didn't feel so uncomfortable with the context of this scene. Again, if, if we're looking at it from a perspective of Charlie doesn't have post-traumatic stress in this, in this or he's not, he's not um, traumatized by what he went through, if we're looking at it in that context, then it's okay. If we are looking at it completely from the guilt perspective, like you've pointed out, then, then there's nothing wrong with this subplot. If we're looking at it from the perspective of him straight up being traumatized, this is a shitty way to talk to somebody. Um... Uh, hey you, stop la- being sad. <laughs> uh,
1: one last note before we wrap this up. Sounds good. Uh, There is one... One... Uh... <laughs> Uh, the one last note is, uh, for uh, 30 seconds, we see Sun. Uh, Jack's like, what is this plant you're growing? She pretends not to be able to speak English and conveys to him it's for headaches, I and that's it.
0: love this moment, because you can tell Sun's eavesdropping, and she's like, like, doing an excellent job of keeping it on the DL.
1: She knows everything going on. She can go into any situation. She's a, a fucking spy, badass spy of this I
0: forget group. how she goes about revealing to everybody that she can speak English. Maybe she, like, I don't remember if it's like a long con where she just pretends like she's picking up on English as <laughs> she goes. Or if she's like, hi everybody, I could speak English this whole time. And everybody just sort of has to deal with it and acknowledge it.
1: No, eventually I believe she confesses it to somebody else. She confesses it
0: to her husband,
1: Everyone figures it out at some point, very soon.
0: Yeah, I I think at this before the end of the season. Only Michael knows. Only
1: Michael knows. Um, Okay, so uh, I'll tell you what I think. The negative thing about this episode, my little man in black, what he's messing around with. Everybody, get off Kate's fucking back. (laughs) Get off Kate's back. This drove me crazy. Not as crazy, though, is that it's a little airplane. It's really that it's a little airplane. little airplane drove, <laughs> drives me crazy.
0: So, when you're like, what's in the box? You you were hoping for something a little bit more than a little airplane that doesn't amount to anything. I
1: was hoping for something a little more than a little airplane. Admittedly, a little less than Gwyneth Paltrow's head. It doesn't have to be <laughs> Gwyneth Paltrow's head. It doesn't
0: always have to be Gwyneth Paltrow's um,
1: head. So, that's my little negative thing. And my whole... My Jacob, my light side of the island, is... Uh, a, is a lot of the literally light moments in this early on. It's a breather, but I think the most magical being Shannon singing at the end, Aww. because as we know, I love uh, a little <laughs> Bobby Darren in French.
0: Oh, uh, I I will admit again, it, it as cynical as I am towards this show, uh, towards those character arcs in particular, and that ship in particular. Like even that warmed my heart a little bit. Like it warmed my cold dead heart. Ever so slightly. Um, My Man in Black, I'm gonna have to go with definitely the scenery-chewing bank robber at the end that just felt so manufactured and out of place. Um, <laughs> if, like, your your super serious moment in your super serious show is reminding me of the hammy performances in Beyond Belief, you're probably doing something wrong. <laughs> intentionally hammy performances and beyond belief. Uh, <laughs> nothing against that show. I love that show. Um, but if you were, if your super serious moment is reminding me of that, probably not a good thing. Um, as far as my my Jacob, um, I have to agree with you, the lighter moments of this episode,
1: they def- really pop.
0: Definitely. The moment where <laughs> where Sawyer drops the suitcase from the uh. tree and just <laughs> Kate scampering up and taking it from him, it's uh, like I said, it's just so gleefully juvenile. In that moment, it it made it made me laugh. Then it makes me laugh now. It makes me laugh right in this moment as we're recording this podcast. It's, she runs out so solo,
1: yeah, and then it's like, oh yeah, she plays like a woodland elf later in her career. She does. Because she, the way she runs out
0: <laughs> there, She's just so graceful. Um, I will say though, um, for. As much as I, I still want Kate to be, like, the main character and everything like that, I gotta be honest. This is the first episode where I'm like, meh, about the whole thing. I don't hate it. I don't love it. Like, the entire episode, I'm just kind of like... Again, there there are great things about it. There are not so great things about it. But all in all, I'm like,
1: meh. It's, the, it's not an amazing episode of Lost. Yeah. But again, after the last two...
0: I get having Gotta a little a bit breather. of a breather. Um, but I would say that even episode 10, I, I think it was 10, with Claire's backstory, you know I was, like, that was the first one where I'm like, eh, I don't know, I feel like we're starting to slip a little bit here. Even that one, at bare minimum, was establishing stuff for Claire. This just kind of, I don't want to call it filler, but it felt, out of everything that we've gotten so far, it felt like the most... Lost filler episode because I know we're going to get I, a lot I of might, lost filler later on down the line.
1: My season three is a lot of filler. I um I will,
0: which is a shame. I, depending again. on
1: what I can't remember what the end game of that stupid little airplane is. Depending on that, <laughs> I might change my mind. Um, okay, Megan, uh, where can the people find you?
0: You guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Menguin. That's T H E M E N G U I N.
1: And you can follow me on Twitter at The Real Will Link. Uh, and you can follow us at No Love Lost Pod yep. on Twitter.
0: Woot, woot. Come and say hi and let us know what you guys thought about this episode. Was this, uh, did the lighter moments save it for you, or did you guys take issue with a lot of the things that we had trouble with? Well,
1: let us know always what you think. And with that, see you in another life, brother. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to No Love Lost on the podcast Jukebox Network.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening. And if you guys liked the show that we put on, you might like some of the other shows put on by this lovely network.
1: Um, off the cuffs. Which is a kink and BDSM podcast, which is very popular. Um, Being there, will Sean podcast? Will he? Uh, He does. (laughs) Uh, You would know. Drinks with God and Proud to Be Kinky.
0: Yeah, so we want to give a big thank you to this network for for supporting us, for giving us a platform to talk about Lost On. So, guys, it would really mean a lot if you would show uh, these other podcasts some love.
1: Yeah, go back, give them a listen. If you like us, you might like them. We're on the same network. Only makes sense. Go listen to them. Give them all five stars.
0: Do that. And then also give us five stars.
1: Yeah, we could use it. (laughs)